Just before we start the show, a quick message to say that I need your help. Whether you're a long-term listener or you literally just found us, I would be incredibly grateful if you could go to mattalder.com and fill out a very short survey about this podcast. It won't take longer than two minutes of your time and will be incredibly helpful to me as I develop Recruiting Future into 2023. Just to recap, the website address is mattalder.com and it will take just two minutes of your time to complete the survey. Go on, press pause and do it right now. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 465 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Albert Einstein once said, I have no special talent, I'm only passionately curious. Now, I like this quote so much that I actually use the phrase passionately curious as the tagline for my consulting business. So, you can imagine my delight when I came across a book on workplace curiosity written by Stefan van Hooydonk, the founder of the Global Curiosity Institute, who is my guest this week. A former chief learning officer, Stefan has done some pioneering work on the science behind curiosity and why improving the skill of curiosity is essential in the modern world of work, both at an individual and organisational level. So, I hope you'll embrace your own curiosity and keep listening to hear my conversation with Stefan. Hi, Stefan, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Yeah, Stefan van Hooydonk. I'm the founder of the Global Curiosity Institute and recently the author of the Workplace Curiosity Manifesto. Um, before that, I was... Uh, a serial chief learning officer, you could say, for many companies. And in the beginning of my career, I did, I did some really interesting work in investment consulting in the Far East. Married to the same person still as uh, way back, four kids. And I recently also started um, engaging myself in, in, in permaculture. I bought a piece of land of uh, 20,000 square meters and I'm building a food forest on top of it in um, all with diversity and stuff. So it's a, a big curious project for me, that one. Wow. So yeah, curiosity. I'm obviously very curious to to find out more, but tell us your story. How did you get to the point where you started an institute about curiosity? Well, I think I've been a curious person like many of us, I think, uh, for, for, for pretty much all my life. And I'm really grateful that my parents allowed me to be, to be curious and to explore all the time. Now, in my role as chief learning officer, I... Uh, the beauty with the chief learning officer role is that you're in this neutral position in an organization and you're you're helping people, you're coaching people, you're mentoring people um, from, from afar and from close. And what I've noticed that some people actually never needed any learning. Um, and I ended up calling them A players. Uh, and these people were on top of their game. They were reading all the time. They were asking 
stupid questions, quote unquote. Um, they were not afraid to get out of their comfort zone and to explore something completely new. Um, so they were not tied to their title or to their past expertise. They were willing to explore new expertise. They were not only getting into their own uh, uh, area of specializations, but they were learning broadly. And and then I thought, wow, this is great. I see, how can we make sure that Everybody becomes like that because I realized that only the minority of, of people, say 10, 15, 20% of the people in the organization are like that A players. And then we have our B players, people that actually they want to grow, they want to learn, and um, but something, and it is as if they've lost something out of their, their rucksack since since their youth maybe. And and, 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 and so I've, I, I, I thought... I assigned, I assigned that the, differ, the difference between these A players and B players was intentional curiosity. It's not just curiosity, but really intentional, focused curiosity. And I thought, well, how is it, is it possible to train this? And then I kind of started researching positive psychology, um, was also looking at the good work for, for, from Carol Dweck, where she and positive psychology actually have proven that you can change habits and mindsets, uh, something that we sometimes forget. And, and I, I, I did this pilot in, in my last company, Cognizant, and there was kind of a, a big pilot, 15,000 people. And we trained them for only 45 minutes well, the notion of curiosity and how to get better. And we talk, talked about neuroplasticity, that it's possible to change. And we gave people some strategies. And probably very important, I thought afterwards, was that we invited people to share what they had learned with others and managers to share it with their team, anything that they, anything that resonated. And then three months later, like as we did, we checked in with people, like, kind of how did this session resonate? And, uh, and, and what we found is that the majority of people actually told us and gave us feedback that they were starting to look at the world slightly differently or more than slightly differently. And I said, whoa, this is great. This is, we didn't expect that. So such a big, such a big impact from just 45 minutes. And then, and then one year later, our analytics team ran some, 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 some numbers and they found that the, for those people that had said that the world had changed for them, their learning hours in the company had jumped from 25, which was the company average, to 43. And I said, oh, this is too good to be true. And I realized so little research had been done in, in this area basically left my cushy job and I started the, the institute and I said I want to contribute to 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 research to 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 leadership to to companies uh, to professionals all around the world and maybe also to students and teachers and other people to explore curiosity and, and here we are there's so much there such an interesting story just to sort of unpack it a little bit and sort of dive into you know some of those areas in a bit more depth first of all so from what you've seen and i think you know you you've kind of answered this to a certain extent already but i'd be interested in in, in your thoughts around the details why is curiosity so important to organizations we have this love-hate relationship with curiosity and what we've seen if we compare the 20th, 20th century and the 21st century in the 20th century, wasn't really, we didn't have so much change. Uh, and, 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 and for instance, we can compare the Marriott Hotel Group and Airbnb for a second. The Marriott Hotel Group, it took them about 80 plus years to 
amass about 700,000 bets all around the world. I think it's about something like close to 100 countries. And um, and then you have Airbnb. So Air- Marriott is 20th century type of a big conglomerate company and, 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 um, and are very successful at it. And then we have Airbnb. And they get got as many rooms in just four years. And they're present in double the amount of, of, of countries. And their market capitalization is is almost double than Marriott. So I think that's a good a good a good way to, to describe how for me the 20th century was all about big conglomerates, scalability, um, efficiency. You needed to have buildings and and, and, and etc. And the 21st century is completely different. It's a century of ideas. And in a 20th century paradigm, if the world around you is not changing so much, you don't need to change yourself. And therefore, you don't need to be curious about what this next thing that you're changing towards could be or should be. That's why, for instance, an Eastman Kodak could run their their business model and their technology for almost a hundred of years because the environment in the, in the, in the photography world wasn't really changing much. And then we have the 21st century and Eastman Kodak, we know exactly what happened. No, and there, there is slight, small, small shadow of what, what they used to be because, because they lost this, this desire, this, they, they had this, this, this managerial arrogance, they were not ready to be op- to open up to the world. They weren't curious to alternatives. Um, they didn't allow their people to ask basic questions. And even if those people asked basic questions, the organization wasn't ready to, to do something with those questions. And all the people that I've been talking to, all executives, they're, they're telling me 21st century is so different. The century of ideas, we just came out of COVID. And we need, we need different questions. And we need different answers to the questions we had already. So, and that requires a huge cultural change. And that's why the importance of curiosity is so important. Are we celebrating curiosity in our organization or are we stifling it? What I find sort of really interesting about the work that you do is that you're effectively applying science to this. You're applying science to something that, you know, we've always we've always had curious people. People have always thought that's that's important, but you know, it's kind of never been measured before, has it? And um, you you you've developed a way of measuring curiosity, haven't you? Yes, interesting. When we talk about curiosity, it's one of those words that everybody has an opinion about. Uh, everybody has a vague uh, a, a vague definition, and many people think it's this this untouchable thing, this vague thing. And, and, and what I found is actually you can measure curiosity and you can measure curiosity in two directions. First of all, you can measure the individual um, curiosity and I measure it and I've got this tool online. It's free now in uh, eight languages. The ninth language is coming um, where I measure the three objects of curiosity. First of all, curiosity about the world. How curious am I about? And that's typically the the, 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 the the normal definition that we often have about curiosity. It's a child looking at the world, exploring things, uh, and Einstein uh, exploring the, the physics of the universe, so dealing with things outside of us. And then the, the next dimension is empathic curiosity, is are interested in others. Um, um, which actually follows different different rules than the, the curiosity about the world. For instance, others, they talk back at us. 
uh, and there's different dynamics. And then the third one is probably the more difficult one is how interested am I in myself, my values, my purpose, my superpowers, etc., and my, but also my beliefs and my limiting beliefs and my biases. So that's the individual. And I, I, I measure that through uh, a questionnaire, which has been, uh, uh, I create, I, I worked with a number of PhDs to, to help me, pull this together the best practices of of of, of service that were already available and then we added uh some more dimensions to it um and then i have another diagnostic which is really interesting is i'm a great believer that curiosity is and I, I, i've also proven this that curiosity is not only linked to individuals curiosity is also influenced by the environment if you work for um for um, for a micromanaging boss, uh, or if you work for an organization that stifles curiosity or encourages curiosity, you are going to show up more or less curious. So I'm also having this diagnostic now, is an, uh, checking or analyzing the environmental aspect to curiosity. How much is your organization allowing curiosity through its culture, through its climate, through its processes, and through its practices? And I measure things like like psychological safety or innovation um, orientation or acceptance of failure um, and a number of other dimensions in that. Um, and that's actually giving great baselines to organizations, both the individuals as well as the organizational piece. Now, I want to dig into that in a bit more detail in a second, but I, I would recommend that everyone takes the the individual curiosity test because because I took it, I got eighty five percent, which didn't. So I was quite disappointed actually. <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to score, um, I wanted to score more highly, but that didn't really surprise me because my job is to ask people questions and find and find things out. So it was just a really interesting exercise to do. A quick message from our sponsor Winolo. Hi everyone, I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W-O-N-O-L-O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees... You can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over 100 markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com slash pod. That's www.wonolo.com lo.com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers in terms of what you were saying there about workplaces and what workplaces can do to promote curiosity within their employees and also what some workplaces do to actually sort of block it or put up barriers to it what are the key drivers you sort of mentioned a couple of them there tell us a bit more about it at the highest level, those companies who embrace curiosity in their corporate values, they have a head start. And you have companies like SAS or Barilla or, or Nike or there's a number of other companies that have that. So that's, um, that's a first starting point, how kind of embracing it at the highest level. 
And then in terms of organizational practices, or maybe let's let's stay with McKinsey for a second on, on, on values. They have this this uh, this value which they call the uh, obligation to dissent. So it's not only okay to have a different point of view or to be curious and to to, to share it with others. It's you have an obligation if you want to make a career in the company. So they've institutionalized basically the challenging the status quo and they've and speaking up even if you're amongst more seniors. Of course, you need your speaking up needs to be backed by data, but it's it's okay to do so. It's not like what the old Microsoft had where we um, we have a know-it-all culture. Um, and because you're a specialist or because you're a manager, you suddenly have all the, all the knowledge. But on the contrary, um, that we, we should have a learn-it-all culture. And that's also the new culture that, that Satya Nadella introduced when he joined in 2014. So, so that's an important one. But we also have some other, some other really great examples. For instance, Google, they have their 20% project. 20% of your time you can spend on, on meaningful things and not the, the, the meaningful things that your boss thinks that are meaningful, but what you think is meaningful to work on. Um, and you can tinker away and, uh, in, in your company's time. Or Intuit has a very great example. Uh, they have failure parties. They celebrate failure and they give they give awards uh, and they have parties when something goes wrong. And that's a great way of telling people, um, guys and girls, it's okay to mess up because curiosity is not always going to lead to to, to successful outcomes, but potential potentially successful outcomes. And if we fail, we've learned something. And then also, for instance, in the learning and development side, there's beautiful examples too that companies, uh, for instance, Fiskars might be a good one. They've changed their leadership development completely. They originally had leadership development, kind of mini MBAs, teaching people a bit about marketing, about about finance, a bit about kind of helping these managers to become broad, uh, broadly broad managers. And they said, no, we're going to change course here. And they, 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 they said, instead of having this outside-in thinking being poured into the manager's heads, why would we just change it and turn it around and create an inside-out thinking? So the, the big piece of their management development, the biggest piece actually, is helping managers to become more in tune with their personal values, with their personal purpose. Uh, so to learn more about their insights. And they're, they're, what does my backbone look like? As a, because the stronger that is and the more it's articulated and the more you're aware of this, the more you can become a better version of yourself. And that's, that's all by asking some basic questions. Why and what if and challenging the status quo, which I think is, uh, they're, they're all onto something. Yeah, absolutely. I'm supposed to pick up on that point. Earlier in the conversation, you mentioned neuroplasticity and basically people are kind of improving their learning skills and improving their curiosity. How can people who are listening improve? What can you do to improve your curiosity on an individual basis? So, you know, for example, I scored 85% on your, on your, um, on your assessment. How, how do I get, how do I get a bigger score? I'm not really great. It's a great question, but I'm not a fan of the do these five things and you're proven to be a better person. Everybody's different. But I have three suggestions. One, and I, I coined it in the word AIM, A-I-M. And A stands for awareness, I stands for intentionality, and M stands for measurement. 
Now, if we're, if we're looking at the first one, awareness, the opposite for me nowadays of curiosity is conformity. And um, maybe we can talk about the different dimension of conformity, but basically awareness is how, where do I fit on the scale between conformity and curiosity? How much do I stretch myself towards the world, towards others, and towards myself in, in, in terms of being curious? Am I working for a curious organization? Am I part of a curious uh, curious herd in my family, in my friends group, in my uh, um, those type of things? Am I learning new things? Um, so so uh, that's one thing that we can, we can think about awareness. And once we are a bit aware, then we can decide on the intentionality. What do I want to do about it? Do I put in place some rituals, even daily rituals? Uh, do I put time to learn, time to be curious in my agenda? Um, a, a, a very good example for me was, was given to me by a Buddhist monk, and I used it in a different context, but I, I, I use it in the context now of curiosity. When you're brushing your teeth in the morning, Maybe you can you can tell yourself or you can invite yourself, let me be more curious about the world, more curious about others, and more curious about myself for, for the day. And when you're brushing your teeth in the evening, you can play back your little movie for the day and see how you did. And nobody's perfect, but at least by doing these daily rituals, you can you can you can move your your mind into into this proactive intentional mode because curiosity is like a muscle the more you practice it the more you get curious and the more you build knowledge and the more you become good at it but also if you don't practice it then atrophy sets in um and then uh, and then the third one is measurement and then i'll come to maybe some specific strategies Measurement can be done by kind of doing things like taking my diagnostic. I'm also launching uh, two weeks from now a professional version of the diagnostic, specifically for professionals. Uh, well, the first one that you did is, is more generic with much more strategies and, and things like that. Um, and um, But it doesn't have to be qualitative. It can also be quantitative. People can ask their the people around them whether it's bosses or whether it's children or parents or spouses or colleagues how did i show up in this meeting in this week did i show up with judgment or did i show up with curiosity and see what what the feedback is um i think one of the most beautiful questions we can ever ask others and in is how did i do as your son partner colleague boss employee you know um and then Give it silence and let the other person answer that question. Uh, that's, a, that's a great way to measuring also, uh, partly your your curiosity. Now, um, let's if you're talking about some specific strategies about curiosity about the world, learn something new. This this food forest I'm creating now, I'm learning so much because it's completely new for me, and I'm learning. I didn't know how to plant a tree, how deep the hole should be, how wide. Get into some new habit, get into some new hobby, explore something new, and that's a great way to, to open your mind. And then maybe next time you go to a bookstore, buy the book next to the book you want to buy uh, also uh, and, and, and surprise yourself. And that's a great surprise and fun and play is a great part of this curiosity. And then with curiosity of others, 
Abraham, Abraham Lincoln had this great saying. He said, I don't like that man. I must, ne- new, I, I must get to know him better. Because when we don't like somebody, we can either push away the person, mentally or physically, or we can embrace that person and think maybe not liking is also something has something to do with me, not only the other person. So um, that's why I often suggest, why don't we have lunch with people that we think are furthest away from us in our thinking, in our being, or are we rather having lunch every day with people that are like-minded and do we stay in our echo, echo chamber? So that's empathic curiosity. And then the self-reflective curiosity is go on to a meditation retreat um, or at least create time and space for yourself to explore yourself, your your deeper thinking. Why do I say the things I say? Why do I think the things I think, you know? Um, and what are the deeper narratives that are governing me? So these are kind of maybe three, some strategies for uh, 85% man is beautiful. It's only only God can be perfect, you know. And the beauty with it, with, um, I think I'd score very highly on being competitive as well. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing with the, with the diagnostic is that everybody is good at many things, but everybody can also improve. And the moment we we're perfect, we're not ready for society anymore. We are who we are, and we're beautiful because we're not perfect. Final question. Tell us about your book. Where can people find it? And how can people find you and connect with you? Oh, super. Um, you know, the book, The Workplace Curiosity Manifesto, is um, I'm very happy. It's a bestseller. It was just nominated for a book award. It's, uh, I'm, I'm so thrilled. I'm, I'm so intrigued that, that my baby, of course, when you're writing a book, you never know what's going to happen. And it's always uh, it's, it's very intriguing. You can find the book on pretty much all the, the platforms. Uh, all the global platforms, but I, I would recommend also kind of support your local bookstore if you uh, if at all and and give them the business. Um, they also need some 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 business. Uh, so it's it's available pretty much everywhere. It's now uh, I'm discussing translations in in Chinese, uh, Portuguese, Brazilian, and uh, and Dutch already. Um, so it seems that the world is waking up to the notion of curiosity and. That the world is ready. The book is has a number of parts. First, we talk about the psychology and, and, and the broader aspect of curiosity, and then we talk about curiosity as links to individuals, to leaders, to organizations, to teams, and then I, I explore some um, curiosity in the world of HR, curiosity in the world of learning and marketing, and uh, what different co- companies are doing in each of those specifics. And then the fourth part is is strategies for getting better. So, so that's the that's the book. Um, you can always find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm probably most active on LinkedIn. I also have a Twitter account and, and also through the website, the globalcuriosityinstitute.com, where you can also find the diagnostics and, and more information about uh, what we're trying to do in terms of research, uh, but also in terms of working with companies. Stefan, thank you very much for talking to me. You're most welcome, Matt. I did. Time flew. Thanks for having me. <laughs> My pleasure. My thanks to Stefan. If you haven't already, I would be incredibly grateful if you could go to mattalder.com and answer a few questions about the podcast to really help me develop the show into 2023. You can subscribe to this podcast in 
Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list. And I'm now sending out a monthly newsletter, giving everyone the inside track on what's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me.